Okay, first intro. Hello and welcome to the Irish NFL show. Thank you for listening. And if you're enjoying the show, please vote with your fingers and rate, review or subscribe on whatever podcast platform you're listening on. Every click, every like, every positive review. I'll start that again. Hello and welcome to the Irish NFL show. Thank you for listening. And if you're enjoying the show, please do vote with your fingers and rate, review or subscribe on whatever podcast platform you're listening on. Every click, every like, every positive review and every additional subscriber makes a huge difference. It helps others to find the show and we really do appreciate it. We'd also love to hear from you and to interact with NFL fans on our social channels, wherever you're listening in the world. So please do get in touch. And with that said, on with today's show. Intro two. Hello and welcome to the Irish NFL show. Thank you for listening. And if you're enjoying the show, please vote with your fingers and rate, review or subscribe on whatever podcast platform you're listening on. Every click, every like and every positive review and every additional subscriber really does make a huge difference. It helps others to find the show and we really do appreciate it. We'd also love to see you at our upcoming live show at Busker's On The Ball Temple Bar in Dublin on August 21st with our special guest, Sky Sports NFL analyst, Phoebe Schechter. Full details on the website and on our social channels and tickets are available on eventbrite.ie. We'd love to see you then. Now, on with today's show. And done. Perfect. That's Three, Judy. A player who is on the market, though, is Jonathan Taylor, Indianapolis Colts running back. Um, and they're also dealing with some some injuries of their own within that running back room because Zach Moss has gone down with a broken arm. Um, Ursay, Jim Ursay and Jonathan Taylor, clearly no, no love lost between them. Is there a market for Jonathan Taylor at this point, though? I, I believe so. I, I believe um, that in some... Um, Colin, in Jersey, what Colin thinks, but um, there was a lot of talk today that there's a lot of teams feel they are fielding calls from. Be interested to see what Chris Ballard has, what has, what thinks of the situation rather than the owner. But like I, I watched a bit of Good Morning Football yesterday, and they were saying that Jim Jim Hersey seems to think he's the Jerry Jones of, of the league, and whilst the Cowboys haven't won it in the Super Bowl for thirty odd years, they still have fielded very good teams, and he's invested in the right matter and got the team competitive. And certainly, like if you watch more certain games, they might have. Had an opportunity to go to well, the Colts, with the exception of maybe a couple of years, you know, they haven't done a lot. But this owner seems to be living in a different part of the universe to, to, in terms of other owners. The way he's behaving, the way he acts upon news, he's consistently getting out there. We spoke a couple of weeks ago when we did our AFC South um, off-season review and we said one of the key things for the Colts this year will be for the owner to stay out and to the head coach's way and let him get on with it and let him develop Richardson and have a fine running back like Taylor playing in the background. It doesn't help when your owner is challenging agents on social media and so on. And he just keeps going and going and going. And Taylor, I think he, I think there is a value. I think Tennessee will get the right offer. Whether they will let him go, I'm not entirely sure. What do you reckon, Colm? Um, you're wondering as well with Jonathan Taylor. Brian, I know, brought up the agent. But if you wanted out of there, you might have moved a little bit earlier in the offseason than now when very few teams have salary cap and a lot of people are pretty, set, pretty much settled on who the running backs are going to be. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you can see the the comment there from from Owen in terms of was he badly advised. I suppose maybe some of it was kind of we've had a, a number of weeks now of kind of situations with running backs, right? And we honestly had um, the the Saquon situation. The Giants managed to 
get a, a one-year deal done, which probably uh, allows Burnley to see it as different. It, it's good for everyone to an extent, right? Daquan gets to save face a little bit because he's not playing on the tag. And the week previously, he had been angry, though the quote that was, the, the quote that was used. Obviously, you've got the situation with Josh, Josh Jacobs, that Austin Eckler uh, going out publicly. And so there's a feeling amongst running backs that, that you know, they are being under undervalued and, and underappreciated. And, and you can understand that given, you know, they are the workhorses of the league and their shelf life is so short. You know, I mean, the kind of joke around the, the league has always been NFL is, is not for long. And it's running backs in, in particular who take so much and kind of we discussed this. That's what I just kind of happy to with the NIL and body that you'll see running backs get some pay in, in college because, you know, they they just take so much punishment. So I think some of Jonathan Taylor's, um, I suppose, annoyance is coming and, and stemming from the, the running back committee. And it's, it's very difficult because ultimately the, the CBA is there and the owners are the owners. And, and we have seen how the owners have, have acted in, in the past in terms of their ability to close ranks. And when they make a decision, they make a decision. And so it, it's really difficult to see a situation where running backs get what they are looking for. And they're all going to respond in, in different ways. You've had annoyance from some. So Travis Etienne get on the, the podium the other day and say, look, the, the days of, of getting paid, if you're only a downhill runner or, or gone, you've got to diversify. You've got to look at other things and bring the, that to, to your bow. Um, for Jonathan Taylor, it's it's kind of, it's unfortunate that it's coming off of last year as well because it was, you know, if this was coming off, the, his stock this time last year was higher um, that, than almost anyone, like even higher than probably Derek Henry's has ever been. Like people really expected because he was seen so fresh that he was going to have an absolute monster year uh, last year. It didn't happen. Um, but this that, is the, the rock on which many a fantasy league team perished. Oh. 1800 yards, 18 touchdowns, everyone was eyeing him. He he truly, it was the sirens calling you onto the, the rock. Um, but again, said on the show before, billionaires get to do what billionaires get to do, and there are no there aren't consequences. Just talk, you know, just, just talked about that, I suppose, in relation to, to Sean Payton. Jim Irsay can come out, he can say what, what he wants, he can meddle in the team in whatever, but he still gets to own the team other than their record. That's kind of kind of it so uh, what he decides ultimately will be what happens Brian at a human level obviously you can't but sympathize with running backs you know you've an average three-year career you know on average that means you're not even going to get off your your rookie contract before you get chewed up and spat out and um, the days of guys getting a big second contract seem to be gone unless you're a Chris, Christian McCaffrey and as Colin says you've diversified and um, it is what it is for running backs, though, under the CBA um, until 2030, and that's that's not a great place to be. Yeah, I think it's a case of so many running backs. As you saw last week, they were having this, uh, you know, running backs only committee meeting, and all the players were going to galvanize by having this, and some of them were quite outspoken from comments and the feedback coming out of that meeting. And it just seems to have all come together at the same time. Just, I'm, I'm just going to jump into the bar because we haven't discussed it, you know, it happened last week. Connor's made a very good point about. Barkley running it back to a certain extent and getting a little bit of additional 
money by securing this one-year contract. Like, I think ultimately, he, he's like, he seems like the kind of player who doesn't want to be holding out. He wants to be involved. He wants to be with the team. And I think he was the one who saved face last week. His, his agent badly managed the situation. He swapped agents during the off-season to try resolve the situation. But he had three offers from the job. You know, that's come out publicly as well documented yet an offer in November, an offer at the end of the season, and, a, and an additional offer in the lead up to the to the deadline. And he still couldn't get he couldn't get the deal done. I mean at some sort of stage he has to these guys have to, I would imagine have to recognise are they better off securing the money now as opposed to taking another gamble and, and being in the years down the line where the potential of getting another injury you just joked about it, but it's so true. This time last year, Jonathan Tennis was being put there, not necessarily fancy football related, but I remember when we did our season preview show former colleague on the show for suggested Mark suggested he would be the offensive player of the year. It didn't return us because of injuries. It was to say what could one of these running backs come this time twelve months in Austin Eckler, Eric Henry, Saquon. And maybe they should you know, maybe they need to take the step back and recognise unfortunately this is the landing position in which they have in the league, which makes them so good at running backs. But we saw sorry, we only saw in the Super Bowl a seventh round pick leading the Chiefs to a Super Bowl. So it there's a few more coming around the corner as well. And that's it. Yeah, you got B. John Robinson and Jamir Gibbs drafted high because you're better off in, investing early. You get in the guy in in the draft. You get your four years out of him. You tag him for a year, and then you move on. And it's rinse and repeat. That seems to be what what most teams are doing because the value you can add in the draft at running back exceeds you know the marginal gains you're getting in pretty much every every other position. Like it it pay. It took general managers a long time to learn this, and a lot of guys getting paid and, and never justifying the second contract before they fought, the penny finally dropped with them. And arguably, although the running backs union will never say this, a lot of them were overpaid uh, relative to what they were, relative to the production for many years. And now, unfortunately, they've regressed to the mean. But I suppose part of the issue here, here is, Colin, and you mentioned the NIL money. It's the fact that you're locked into playing a couple of years in college in the draft at a heavily attritional position. Guys come into the NFL and they're half broken already. Yeah, I mean, that that is it, especially the way some colleges utilize the, the players. I mean, some of these guys are, you know, they're just hand the ball off, hand the ball off, hand, hand the ball off. And um, you, you get plenty of, you know, laurels, but that's all that you've got in college up to now, right? So this is why I think the NIL money is uh, so important. And Connor, we, we've touched on this, and Brian, I, we touched on this when we were chatting with Neil Reynolds, but... I just wonder, you know, with the NIL money and particularly with certain position groups in, in particular, can we see players kind of re- retire a little bit earlier than they did previously? So we see running backs tend to exit maybe after um, their their first contract or maybe some of them get that, that second contract. Um, but I, I think that is something to, to keep an eye on because... You know, the days of us looking and, and kind of going, my goodness, Barry Sanders uh, retired early. I think there could be quite the, the litany of guys who ultimately follow that path. Brian, you wanted to make a final point on this. Yeah, like the, the benchmark obviously is the Christian McCaffrey contract that was handed out. Um, and this is the point that's going to make with the fortune on is I was reading a very interesting article last week in which Kyle Shannon has had seven leading running backs. Uh, year on year since he went there as the head coach. No player has returned and been the leading rusher the following year. He's had seven different guys. So they've always come with the versatile side of things and there's the running back aspect and he doesn't necessarily focus his offense around predominant running backs. But yeah, they are the ones who could have, you could say the Vargas are going to cause this by giving that particular contract to McCaffrey last year, 60 million plus, 
Like you could argue, is he worth it? Yeah, he had a great season with the, with the 49ers, but he was also a player with a lot of risks coming off injury. But ultimately, the contract that they've given him is the one that's been served up for the likes of Barkley. You know, the running back started looking at it going, if Christian McCaffrey's valued at that, we should be obviously recognised at that, but that's not the case. And of all, of all head coaches who aren't family folks and running backs to give contract, John Lynch called Sean Hounds to the one that do it. Before we wrap on running backs, a bit of injury news as well from the Seahawks camp. Kenneth Walker dinged, Jack Char- Zach Charbonnet dinged just as well. They got what arguably looks like the strongest wide receiver room uh, in the league because they're going to have to be throwing the ball a lot more if they're, if they're that uh, banged up in the backfield. Yeah, and this kind of this is sorry, I'm just like pays into the significance of what we're talking about. Like you've seen running backs getting so many injuries, so many crucial times to have two of their leading running backs at a, at a rookie who's with huge expectations to be already injured after a week or so. Cam just kind of goes to the point of boy, you're going to continue paying running backs when you know the large amounts are going to pick up injuries week in, week out in the season. Yeah, and there are injuries that could linger uh, as well, but. I suppose what it could mean is we get to see possibly early on, like the Seahawks are able to bring guys in, you know, who have kind of been out there and free agents or undrafted um, free agents, rookies coming in and they still do well, then that might undermine what running backs are looking for even further. On the contrary, if, you know, Kenneth Walker is missing and the Seahawks get off to, a bad start when you know arguably they uh, look down on paper at least have a better roster than last year that might strengthen the running back committee's arguments that they should be getting more money now one guy who's uh, definitely going to get paid is Joe Burrow but uh, he's carrying an injury of his own at the moment which has led to the Bengals signing their quarterback Reed Sinish most recently of the San Antonio Brahmas of, of the XFL uh, another nice little feeder league for the, for the NFL to to, to devour the crumbs from. Um, they're saying it's a calf strain. They're saying it's not too bad. The video didn't make it look great, but, you know, you, you can over-index on these things. I guess you can you can go either way, Brian. Um, it doesn't always, it's not always as bad as it looks. No, but Conham's touched on a linger, lingering injury for running backs. This is, this is a lingering injury for, for the quarterback. It'd be interesting to see. Like, they haven't, once they said he's going to be out for a few weeks, they haven't really given us a definitive timeline for when he's going to be back. He certainly won't be playing any preseason game, but then, he wouldn't have anyway. Maybe he would have taken a couple of snaps on the opening drive. But um, I think there's a big... I wonder if I say there's a bigger story of play here, but it'd be interesting to see how this navigates. Like, the Bengals, difficult start to the season, but the Browns, you know, you would... You'd expect them to be in cotton wool now. You would take it on, obviously, going to the rehab to be ready, but um, certainly one to keep an eye on. But I, they're, they're playing it down, but I'm not entirely sure it's, it's just, you know, a lot of a... Serious injuries, maybe just suggest. How long do you hold him back for at the start of the season then to make sure he's ready, or can you afford to rest him at all? If he's if he's half ready, does he have to go? In, it's difficult given the division that they are in, and it, it is it's tough. I mean that that one in particular. We know those teams don't like each other, but to me, I I would hold him back as long as as long as you possibly can. I mean, this is this is your franchise. They, the Bengals have seen what life without Joe Burrow looks like. And it's not good. It wasn't good when he before he arrived. And it wasn't good, obviously, when he had the, the serious the injury previously. So I, I would be 
looking to to get by as much as they possibly can and to to hold them out until it's properly healed because the the last thing in the world you want is you rush him back and he's back in week one um, and week two all of a sudden he, he aggravates the injury and now it's a much more serious piece and the risk of re-aggravation is higher and at every occurrence so but that's easy for me to say sitting here in Dublin like if I am if you're a head coach and you're Zach Taylor and you know the the expectation is you know you got you have to win and win now we all know that it is a, what have you done for me lately league there'll be pressure to, to play him almost immediately yeah see the the injury looks like it may have cost us an opportunity to see him on the second season of quarterback as well the, the Netflix show it looks like he's going to pull out of that unfortunately Trevor Simeon is the back week uh, Connor do you like with all due respect, we've won in Cleveland. Do you see a scenario where Travis Simeon is good enough to, to lead them to victory? I know. Let's see what Reed Sinnott does, Brian. Let's see what Reed Sinnott does. Yeah, it's an interesting one. We have to wonder who's going to, who would. Like, we've seen Travis Simeon play reasonably strong games. We saw with the, with the Saints a couple of years back. You know, he, he's able to manage a game here and there. But if you were to have him consistently playing over the course of two to three weeks, it's, it's not going to, it's not going to my else. I would, Shallows that he would be in a position to beat them, beat the Browns in week one. I think to Joe Burrow and everyone will happen. And look, all, all, apart from everything else, he's got pressure on himself because he's still looking for that extension, which he hasn't got, which he almost certainly will. But he's he's got to play to make sure that uh, make sure that he gets what uh, we now must call Justin Herbert money after Justin Herbert's 